Well, I'm going to go three, two, one. Here we go, off the rails. But you know it's time to raise our sails. It's freedom like you never knew. Hello and welcome to episode three of the UGBM podcast. I'm your host, Andy Kavner, but you can call me DK. And with me today are Luffer. Good evening. Good day. Good evening. Good afternoon. Whenever you're listening to this. Uh, Kendrick. Or how was I matched up? Oh, I see. Um, and Toby Newman. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. Um, I've got some very important news to report. Um, uh, three pieces of important news. And they are one, uh, Stardew Valley is better than Doom. Two, Elite Dangerous is better than No Man's Sky, and most importantly, three chips are better than Daddy, and they are all verifiable facts, just so you know. These are from the polls, I think, aren't they? Absolutely. Very important polls they were. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, um, since our last episode, uh, you'll be pleased to know that the ZX Vega Plus um, still hasn't come out. Uh, No surprises there. Uh, Retro Computers Limited have uh, cited more delays. You may remember me saying that every time anybody complains about it, they they come out with more delays. They've done that. Um, Lee Fogarty, who is the official and or unofficial spokesperson, depending on who you speak to, including him, um, has gone full turncoat now. And there's been a load of fallout from that. Um, He's he's started releasing some paperwork that he's had access to. Um, so that's been quite interesting. Won't go too much into that because it's a um, um, bit of a, a retread of uh, the last episode, but um, there's plenty out there to read. Uh, one thing being that there is now um, uh, there's a ban on mentioning the ZX Vega completely on the World of Spectrum forums, which is something. Um, anybody mentions that, it all gets deleted. Um, so an alternative forum's being set up at spectrumcomputing.com. Yeah, that's always UK. A, a bad way to run a community, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Censorship. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Well, so. to be clear, is World of Spectrum a general interest spectrum site or was it specifically uh, set up for the purpose of discussing the ZX Vega? Well, no, um, it's it's actually one of the one of the older um, websites um, that's that's still going. Um, it was originally set up um, by a community of Spectrum users to be a repository for everything to do with the Spectrum. So there's a load of games on there, uh, you know, like tape archives. There's magazine scans. Um, there's cheats for games. There's adverts. There's all kinds of stuff on there for um, Spectrum and uh, ZX81 computers and other related information of uh, things to do with that. And it's huge. Um, well, speaking as a web forum uh, moderator. Sure. It is not a good look to just completely uh, ban a single topic like that, especially if there's active discussion and uh, you know active speculation Absolutely. about a product. Um, on the other hand, I can see how everything might have been said all uh, already, and there's nothing new to talk about until there's actual news and you know fewer denials. Well, there is that, but the problem is is that this Lee Fogarty is also the maintainer a maintainer of the World of Spectrum. Site ah, and forum, so as he's well as, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, so I can understand somebody wanting to stamp down a bit if it's all getting a bit out of hand, but he's stamping down because a lot of it's directed at him. So anyway, so so that's that. It's not out yet. Uh, apparently, it's still coming out. It probably isn't, but 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 that's that. Um, I but something I read on that ZX Vega thing that were there not some people 
or looking to sue the solicitors because of some alleged misappropriated funds or something along those lines yeah there is i think there's there's looking to be the the kind of uk or european equivalent of some class action lawsuit possibly i'm not sure how that'll work but yeah there's a group of people got together for a number of purposes um to i think they've found an angle that they could possibly um uh take them down um i'm not really sure how that's that's going to pan out or, or exactly what that involves but obviously with um over 4,000 interested parties, there's bound to be at least a few who um, might want to take this further. Something that has come out um, is the Xbox One X. Um, did we all buy one? No. I only mm. got my Xbox One less than a year ago. I got it last Christmas. So it's a bit too oh. soon to be upgrading it, but that's the way of um, mid-cycle refreshers on consoles, really. I mean, I, I feel like they're not really necessary. You know, it feels a bit soon for a new console to me. Um, yeah. I can see the point if you have I mean I've got a 4K TV so if I was going to buy an Xbox now it would make sense to make it the Xbox One X yeah yeah, I suppose but, I mean, oh, I I forgive, me for having, forgive me for having a more cynical view on that my view is that I have three Windows PCs in uh, my house and anything that's an Xbox One exclusive will also be released on PC very likely if it's first party so I still don't see that there's a compelling reason to get one and that's, that's why true. I don't have an Xbox at the moment. Yeah. But I, I, I can still see that there is a, a place in the market for that now, that 4K is becoming more of a thing in general people's homes. Yeah. I haven't even got HDTV yet, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like fixing resolution is kind of the wrong thing to be fixing. I mean, there's things that you could work on in games that would give you more of a um, leap in fidelity or fun than just pixel count, really. Um, yeah. You know, better animation or um, better textures or better frame rates to me would all mean more than um, higher resolution. But I can't the- wait for development houses to start uh, using the QA hours as a selling point. We tested our games three times longer than the competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed only 33% of the bugs. <laughs> Still includes the first day patch, though. <laughs> Have you seen the size of some of the Xbox One X games? They're like 100 gig. It's the it's the um well I don't have Xbox games but on Steam particularly you download the game that's like fifty gig and then on day one you've got a forty eight gig patch and you just think well how can that be it's ridiculous yeah yeah oh well if only there was some physical medium on which all of this data could be distributed so that the network would not be overloaded yeah well here's the thing I don't know whether it'll start moving that way with the Xbox One X but with the Switch it already has that even the physical medium requires multiple gigs of space on your device. So, for example, Doom, which has come out now for the Switch, it requires something like 8 gig if you want to play multiplayer. Well, so you, it's like a segmented install, so you can choose to add yeah. the uh, multiplayer or not. Yeah, I mean, mm. that's the downside of using cartridges, I suppose. But, um, yeah, a bit, a bit of a pain. But then Mario Galaxy is only about 3 or 4 gigabytes, isn't it? Which is pretty ticky by these today's standards. Yeah. I wonder why Nintendo did not go with the Sony uh, PlayStation Vita model and have... Uh, writable RAM reserved on the Switch cartridge for the purpose of installing those updates. Because that's how the Vita does it. And it's brilliant um, that uh, most of the game updates can actually go on the card itself rather than having to be uh, uh, installed on the uh, writable memory. Well, I think part of it is probably cost. Um, but also, it, it's not just for the updates. It's literally in order to play the game in the first place. It's half the game is missing. It's, it's not just an update to fix bits in the game. It's literally half the game isn't on the cartridge. So, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, it's disappointing. I mean, luckily, it's not. It, it's mostly not Nintendo themselves. Um, and it seems to be so far things like Doom and Skyrim and uh, that NBA game. Um, 
so so ports from other other um, platforms but that it's, makes sense it's not a good direction to go in really i don't think especially when you consider there's only 32 gig on board anyway uh and in actual fact there's probably only about 28 by the time you've taken out the whatever's reserved for the operating system and and saves and stuff so it's uh it is a bit of a premium. But then on the other side, most of the games are tiny. So so since we're mentioning uh, the Switch, uh, we've somehow moved on to. Kendrick, you wanted to say something about that, I believe. Yes. Um, it was recently reported in a number of gaming sites that Nintendo is seeking to manufacture up to 30 million Switch consoles in fiscal 2018. That would be the uh, financial year starting in April of 2018 and ending in March of 2019. And the reason that this is remarkable in some people's minds is because that is far and away uh, the largest number of consoles that would be sold, assuming they sell them all, uh, more than any previous iteration of the most popular game system. Um, Just to compare uh, with numbers uh, cribbed from Ars Technica, uh, the Wii, in its second year of sales, sold 26 million, as did the... uh, the original Nintendo DS handheld. Um, in its best year, not its second year, but its third year, the PlayStation 2 only sold 22.5 million. And even now, the PlayStation 4, which is uh, the uh, runaway success of the current generation, only sold uh, just over 18 million in its second year. The uh, generally accepted wisdom, uh, the smart money says that Nintendo is banking on the Switch being perceived as a handheld successor to the 3DS. And so they want to look at those numbers uh, in terms of projecting their future sales and their future growth. I thought of something in the shower uh, a few mornings ago that is either... This is a clean thing. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. This is a very clean thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It occurred to me to research uh, Apple iPad sales year over year. And those stats are uh, rather... uh, misleading and uh, probably inaccurate. But if you average it all out over the last eight years, um, every year Apple has sold just under 40 million iPads across all the generations and across each iteration. So I wonder if it is that Nintendo is comparing themselves not to other game systems, but to the most popular handheld tablet device of all time. I think that was part of... I think that was part of their goal originally to to not try and compete necessarily with traditional gaming platforms, but try and take back some of what Apple have taken with tablets and phones. Also, presumably they have they can reserve the right to adjust this number halfway through the year. I mean, they're leading up to Christmas, so they want to paint a rosy picture while everyone's thinking, "Shall I buy a Switch for Christmas?" Yeah, you know. So they're going to say, "Oh yeah, next week year we're going to build millions and millions of them." But they don't have to build that many when it gets to April. They can just slow it down a bit, right? You know, depending on how it's going. On this the plus side, if you're looking to buy a Switch and they've made thirty million of them and they're not selling, you could be getting some very good deals next year when they slash the prices to get rid of the excess stock. <laughs> Except mm-hmm. they, they don't seem to do that very much anymore. I've been looking around yeah. for a cheap remaindered Wii U just for the purpose of having one, and I can't find one anywhere. Um, anyone who has them in stock still has them at full price, and uh, no one seems to be discounting them, probably because they can't afford to. You know, The margin on the hardware is as thin as it ever was. Yeah. Um, so not being a Switch owner, I do want to ask the group, does the Switch currently have non-game software that would support its use as a tablet. 
Uh, I'm led to understand that there's at least one video streaming service available for it now. Hulu, possibly? No. I think the only one available is Nico Nico. Mm. I think that's okay. it. Um, I know that um, Netflix have something ready to go, but they just need an okay from Nintendo. Um, okay. That's what they seem to have implied in, a, in an interview fairly recently anyway. Um, but apart from that, in terms of non-gaming software, there's virtually nothing. When, whenever because... I tried watching Netflix on my Wii U, it was maddening because you would have it on the TV and also on the hand controller, so you'd have like two versions yeah. of the screen in front of you. Yeah, that was the most ridiculous decision they made with the original with Wii U with that second screen being on all the time. Yeah, yeah, it was it was useful for for some things, but there was absolutely no reason to have it on for games where it's literally just mirrored on the TV. Well, if we see that uh, there are additional non gaming apps coming out for the Switch, then we'll know that my uh, ridiculous theory is correct, and that Nintendo intends for you not just to build Mario levels, but also to receive notifications about your delayed aeroplane on your Switch. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Would people I'm, really use a Switch in place of a tablet? I mean, it, it's really built as a tablet, is it? I mean, it's not always it's, on. It's is literally it? a tablet, though, the Switch. So, is it always on, like a tablet would be? It can be. Yes, My, mine hasn't been turned off for months. Yeah. Okay. So you could use it to receive your email notifications and all that business. And yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I would. But I suppose the barrier there would be that. Nintendo would not be willing to open up an API so that other people could build, uh, you know, leisure applications or uh, worse still business applications to yeah. push notifications to the Switch. My and... theory behind them not doing that yet is piracy. Mm. If you look back at the Wii U and at the Wii and at the 3DS, all of these um, applications have been a way in for piracy. The web browsers have been a way in. The YouTube apps have been a way in. And so I think, at least until they've got a decent user base out there, I don't think they want to drag anything else in there just in case. Well, far be it from us to uh, read the tea leaves and figure out Nintendo's actual ambitions. Yeah. But you're probably right. Nintendo fears piracy just as much as they fear earthquakes. Yeah, (laughs) there is that. Um, okay, so other things that's happened in the last, uh, what have we been, three weeks, four weeks since the last episode. Um, we've had another batch of PS Plus games come out and another batch of Games of Gold games comes out. So um, we'll just quickly run through those. So on PS Plus in November, we got Worms Battlegrounds for the PS4. Any thoughts on no? no. Uh, well, Worms is a great game. I've not played many of the more recent versions, but certainly the original ones were fantastic. Yeah, it, it's. I haven't played it in multiplayer yet. I've played um, through the, the campaign mode, um, which is reasonably good, I suppose. It's, it's all right. Um, then there's Bound, which is on the PS4. Uh, it's a PSVR title as well. Anyone a virtual reality title called Bound. Yeah. Um, are the letters S and M are not associated with this game, is that correct? <laughs> no. Uh, no. Um, uh, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, another PSVR title. Don't know any of these games. Nope. Don't know what that is. Um, um, had... Until Dawn was the horror uh, was the horror movie uh, simulator, was it not? That rings a bell, but that's not my sort of game, so probably yeah. wouldn't have looked any further than that. There's That's You again, which has been on there for the last three or four months now. R-Type Dimensions on the PS3, which I did actually play and completed within 15 minutes. 
it was all right. <laughs> yeah, are you joking? I so I own that for the PS3 on disc, and yeah. I couldn't finish it. I got stuck on it. But maybe you're playing on a different difficulty to me. Of course, I'm playing on Infinite Lives mode. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not mad. So I played it on what would have been normal, I guess, and I got stuck. There was a. I don't know, like a robotic boss that you had to work your way around clockwise. It was like a big battleship thing, and that's where I got up yes. to. Yeah. Is that near, near the near end? impossible to hit. Yeah, yeah, near impossible to hit, because you seem to have to be able to shoot behind you all the time, yeah. which unless you've got certain power-ups, you can't. Yeah, I enjoyed the game until I got stuck on it. I remember thinking yeah. it was good. It was, you know, it was sort of like Ikaruga, you know, sort of taking yeah. classic side-scroller or vertical shmup play and giving it 3D depth and nice graphics. It was good. Well, it's, Forgive it, me it, the... Uh, uh, stupid foreigner question what's the unit of currency that goes into an arcade game in uh, the uk uh 10 uh, pounds. Pounds. <laughs> well, yeah. pounds now yeah, 10 yeah nowadays it's pounds okay because i was going to say quarter but that obviously doesn't apply <sighs> so toby what you were doing was you were playing on a one 10 piece whereas dk <laughs> was playing with the whole roll yeah the, the bag of that's trick hash the number of lives i went through i probably would have spent 30 pounds <laughs> so <laughs> Um, one thing I did like about it was, um, I, it, for, for no reason whatsoever, I just kept flicking between the um, old-style graphics and the new-style graphics, and it, it kind of um, fades the old-style and new-style music at the same time, which was quite fun. Um, literally nothing, no benefit at all to the game, but I quite like flicking between the two. Um, anyway, so there's that. Uh, there's uh, Ragdoll Kung Fu Fist of Plastic for the PS3. Literally no idea what that is. Well, I've played the prequel, which is Ragdoll Kung Fu, which was a, it was like the second game ever on Steam, I think. Um, it was, you know, it was a, maybe not the second, but it was a very early Steam game. Um, I think maybe it that's, was f- that's when Steam was on the Commodore 64, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was like the first indie game on Steam or something like that. I remember it was a long way, long way back. It was kind of a fun game. It's like Ragdoll. It was like a kung fu way. It was like a a fighting game way to punch people. You had to use the mouse and grab your fists and drag them to the enemy like that. Gotcha. Right. Um, I don't know what the new ones like because obviously you couldn't do that with a PS3 controller. But um, no, yeah, it was fun. I can kind of imagine having a having a uh, analog stick for each hand might be. Yeah, yeah, it's probably something along those lines. Guessing, though, no idea. And then there's Dungeon Punks for the PS Vita and PS4. Don't know what that is. Um, And Broken Sword 5, Serpent's Curse. Uh, It says Episodes 1 and 2, so I'm guessing there are only two episodes. Uh, But that's on the PS Vita. So I haven't played that yet, but that interests me because I do like the Broken Sword games. Uh, Likewise, Broken Sword is a fantastic series, isn't it? It's proper old-school point-and-click adventuring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apart from Broken Sword three or four, which everyone had had, had all the um, uh, Sokoban puzzles, like all the sliding crates and stuff around, that was a bit silly. But the, the, mm-hmm. the story was good. The puzzles were good. Apart from that, but... I suspect that's on Vita and not PS4 because it depends on the touch screen. Uh, it is Vita. No, yeah. there is there is a PS4 version, I think, but for some reason it's not cross-play. So uh, hmm. don't know why that is. Uh, anyway, so there's those, and on Games of Gold, there is uh, Trackmania Turbo, which I enjoyed on PS4. But I, I was playing that on Thursday with um, some friends, and it was amazing because you can play like 100-player races together. I've never been in an online game with more than 64 people, which was Battlefield, and that felt big. And I found myself in a race with 99 other races, which really felt like I was in the future. It was pretty mad. Um, also, what's quite nice is you can click the left thumbstick to say hello, and everyone just does that the whole time. So you're just on a track with 99 <laughs> other people just going, hello, yeah. hello, as you go past them. Hello, hello. It's just scrolling up like crazy down the left-hand side of the screen. But no, it's really so, cool. I was amazed at the technology, actually. 
the last Trackmania game I played was a few years ago on PC, and it just had the instant restart, so you'd crash off and you instantly restart and go back to the beginning. Is it the same yeah. with the yeah. new games? Yeah, you have that as well, so yeah. you just got the constant instant, because you just spend hours and hours playing the same track over and over again, trying to shave thousands of a second of your time. And yeah, I think it's, it's really crazy good. Crazy good fun, crazy good fun. I have to ask, does this Xbox version have the original soundtrack that we uh, all learned to love from the Wii version? <laughs> I've only played um, it on PC before, so I don't know. I've muted the music. Oh, wow. I know that much. I, I have the um, the Nintendo DS version, mm. um, and one of the tracks in that is actually impossible. There's a bug in it where there's a um, uh, probably a 45-degree angle, which as you drive up it, you fall through it, and there's no <laughs> way around it, no way to jump it, and that's it. Uh, they never fix the bug, so you can't get past. I think it's about two-thirds into the game. Um, which was annoying. It kind of put me off the series for a while, but I don't think it was actually made by the same dev team. I think um, it had some of the same tracks, some of the same puzzles and stuff as other ones, I think. But um, yeah. Um, as well as that, there's Tales from the Borderlands Complete. Um, I suppose if you like Telltale games and you like Borderlands, that's probably good. Um, I love Borderlands, apart from the constantly respawning enemies. You go through a area, kill them all, and you come back 30 seconds later and they're all back alive again. Yeah. That drives me mad in games. Okay, um, and, and that that news of that comes um, on on the well on the front of really it was just beforehand um, that Telltale have just laid off a quarter of their workforce, which um, I'm not really sure why that is, but they they seem to have released quite a lot of games in a short period of time, um, and maybe they're they're winding down how many they're making and just don't need the the staff at the moment. Maybe they took on an awful lot just to fill a gap and they've done that now so i know that walking uh, dead was very successful but i don't really know how many people played the batman one i have not heard many people talk about it likewise with the wolf among us um what was the and the borderlands honestly i don't really know anyone that's played those whereas everybody played the walking dead ones i think the um the minecraft story mode that did well oh yeah uh, yeah as far as i'm aware um i've played i've played through it seemed okay um, what I didn't like is, is I mean, I, I like the early Telltale games, the the ones, I mean, a lot of people don't like them, but the Telltale Monkey Island games, I quite mm. like those. Um, yes, absolutely. The, I like the Strong Bad game, um, which seems to be forgotten by everybody, but that was great. Um, but the newer ones seem to be more QTEs and fewer puzzles and less actual point and clicking, which is, is you know, is veered away from what I want from a game like that, really. So um, I've not played many apart from Minecraft Story Mode recently. This unstable labor market, this is a uh, this is a chicken coming home to roost someday. James, am I uh, mistaken in remembering that you happen to work in uh, games development? Uh, no, I don't know. I work in theater. Okay. That would be James Sutherland okay. you're mixing him up with, I think. Oh, yes, yes, different, yes yeah, I different am, James. I apologize yeah. for that. But, uh, That's fine. The, uh, the, the, the point remains, though, why would someone want to work in the games industry, even with a great love of the art, not knowing that they're going to be employed reliably tomorrow? Well, short short term. Well, I mean, that's yeah. kind of a general way of the whole world at the moment with short term contracts. No job is secure these days. I don't think it's not like in the old days you'd have a career for life. No, ah. I, th- I think this is why we're seeing the the, the rise of um, indie games. Um, an awful lot of indie um, games seem to be doing very well simply because they're you know they're not big teams. They're they're not pushed for time. They they don't go into crunch mode and and all this kind of thing. Not quite to the same extent. Um, and although it's 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 more of a gamble, perhaps for the people making those games, um, you know, I think I think the chance of, of of 
making a career out of it are maybe a little bit higher than they are for um, working for these big companies that that just seem to buy studios and then close them within a week, um, which is a shame. Some some people uh, got into that uh, got into into that uh, business early. Jeff Minter comes to mind. Yes. Um, although uh, to hear him tell it, sometimes he makes money and sometimes he doesn't. Mm. As you say, yeah. it was a gamble. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But he's he's got milk he can sell, so he's fine. <laughs> um, so the other two games on Games of Gold are Nights into Dreams, which um, is that a remake of the uh, original Saturn game, or is that the one that came out later, which is more of a reimagining? If it's a remake, then they've very faithfully reproduced the clunky horribleness of old Saturn games um, down Ooh, to a T. Yeah. I played it for... 10 minutes i couldn't bear to play it anymore really it was just ugly and hard to control and didn't even seem fun um but if i may sure i believe that this version was what was released on the wii originally so So it's terrible it it is it is it is a port of a previous remake so they could reuse the assets and scale them up properly without having to hack them off of the old saturn code Hmm. Yeah, I've played the Wii version and it's nasty. I mean, I was a fan of the original and the Wii version. It, it basically it's it's like somebody looked at the original game and thought I can do that and they can't. <laughs> it's it's not a proper Knights game at all. It's lost lost everything. So right, so that's no good. Um, and then Deadfall Adventures, which um, it says here is a first person shooter from the Painkiller devs. So. Yeah. Um, I had Don't a look up about, about Painkiller. So. Well, Painkiller is a PC first-person shooter that's notable for having throngs of enemies coming at you. You can put it in the same basket as Serious Sam. Um, so right. it's quite good, actually, if you like you know, a mindless blaster. But I had a look at Deadfall Adventures, and it looks um, pretty naff, honestly. It, it doesn't have that millions of enemies thing going for it. It's just a by-the-numbers um, first-person shooter. So um, what are we saying is the pick of that lot then? I would probably say Trackmania Turbo. Yeah, Trackmania yeah. or Broken Sword. Or yeah. I'll just talk about games with gold here. I know, out of no. the lot, the whole lot. I would say Trackmania Turbo. Um, I'd say yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Would anybody like to mention this correction? <laughs> well, last episode, I, we Turing Test was in the games with gold, and I said um, I thought it looked like a um, Gone Home in Space, but it's not. I played it last night. It's quite good, actually, but it's a complete rip-off of Portal, as far as I can tell, for the first hour. Um, you go into a room, and then you have some objects, and you have to solve a puzzle in a portal kind of way, except not quite with portals, and there's an AI that talks to you while you do it. I mean, it's like it's incredibly similar. Um, so, yeah. Okay. We, we apologise profusely to any of those people who may have misled um by, by mentioning the wrong thing well they've still got a good game out of it well that's true that's true um okay Lufford, um tell us about the um battlefront 2 um yeah so apparently there was a big furore in the fan world uh on social media about the cost of uh, opening up characters in the new battlefront 2 game uh, apparently you'd have to play the game for around 40 hours per character uh, to unlock the character unless you paid up front a stupid amount of money. Now, okay. Presumably sure exactly these, presumably these characters are the, the big characters from the side. Yeah, it's, it's, it's characters like Luke, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, so the, the big big right. name characters. Um, um, I have some numbers for you if you're interested. Do you? Go ahead. Uh, Darth, Darth Vader was going to cost, I believe, 60,000 uh, in-game credits, 
and that would have equated to the 40 hours of grinding that you describe. And in the States, uh, uh, at least, that would have ended up being an additional $100 cost of real money, I believe. Okay, so which is almost because that's twice, yeah. twice the price of the game, just to run like yes. a character. And, and, you know, giving people with lots of disposable income the option of getting right into the multiplayer with that advantage right away, which is incredibly unfair. And yeah, it's yeah, not so a cosmetic, as a result of it. is it? It's like, it's not a cosmetic change. I mean, presumably Darth Vader comes with skills that other people in the game don't have, you know, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So as a result of that, anyway, EA have basically backtracked slightly and they've slashed the cost by 75%. That, that's oh, still, it's, it's still it's a lot. Else, quid, yeah. It's still a lot, but it's... Uh, it's a bit better. Uh, I guess the best way to quite uh, counter this thing is just not to buy the game and actually make a stand and say we're not paying this. That's true, but a lot of people are going to anyway because it's this is Star thing. Wars. They, no, that, and well, that's, that's where they yeah, know they've got you, isn't that? Because they know is, people yeah. are going to buy it and people are going to pay it. So, no. Do but, any but of the that. older Battlefront games have a uh, dedicated fan base the way that some of the older Call of Duty games have one? Are any of those systems or servers active still? I was reading somewhere, it might have been Retro Gamer magazine, about someone um, setting up a server for one of the original Battlefront games and getting all that going. And I think the the story I read was they were asking for help or testers or maybe people involved in the original game development to to get in contact. So I I don't know whether that has actually happened now or whether it's never going to happen, but I think there's there's, there's certainly um, people who want that to happen, yeah. I don't know if it qualifies as older. I was playing Battlefront 1 last night, which is only, what, like a year or something old. Um, but the servers yeah. are still running on that, thank goodness. Yeah. Are EA still making money out of that, though? Are, they, are there still, like, characters to buy or loot boxes or whatever in that? So um, I suspect not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because they'll keep the servers running as long as the money rolls in. So. Okay. Um, and what's this about an 8K VR headset? So, yeah, there's a company called Pimax uh, who are running a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, I'm not sure if it's been funded yet or not. Um, I believe they've got about $4 million or something ridiculous uh, raised already. And it's to develop a eight, an 8K VR headset. Um, it's a bit misleading with the 8K headline because it's not actually an 8K headset. It's two 4K screens. Um, right. So you, each eye would have a 4K uh, display panel, which gives you a much wider field of view and uh, obviously a higher pixel density as a result. Um, and it's a, it's a company in China, I think, that are developing this. Um, and yeah, it's been incredibly successful on Kickstarter, as you would imagine. And it's kind of the first of the next generation of VR headsets. See, I'm sorry, how do you spell Pimax? It's P-I-M-A-X. It, yeah, Pimax, they, they doubled their um, Kickstarter goal. Um, so they doubled their target. The reading I did about it that put me off a bit was I think I got the impression that the it would warp at the edges so you wouldn't have like a one-to-one um, object in reality as you move your head around. You know, as, as things get a bit like if you ever had one of these televisions where they take a four by three screen and then keep the middle of it correct aspect ratio aspect ratio and then stretch the outsides of it out to fill a sixteen by nine TV. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit like that for VR, which without having tried it, to me that sounds really bad. I mean like the whole point of VR just... is that one to one objects being where you expect them to me that's the immersion that i'm after so like I, I i think what we're what they're saying is that that's only for existing titles so titles that have been developed with it in mind would support that wide field of view but any existing games oh, okay. would use that as kind of an upscaling technology to fill the screen 
Okay, well, maybe that's okay then. I mean, to me, that's like in VR, anything that's not a one-to-one match just makes me feel sick. You know, it needs to be right or it needs to not be there at all, generally is what I find. But I haven't tried it, so I don't know. And I think it would be interesting to try that because in VR particularly, it's just a peripheral vision. So I'm not necessarily sure you'd need that high resolution at the edges of your your vision because you're only looking at the middle because you move your head rather than your eyes in VR. Yeah, yeah. So you're never really looking at the peripheral of your vision. So as long as there's information there, I'd be interested to try it anyway. I don't don't know. Definitely. Okay. Uh, And so the other thing leading on from that is I recently bought some prescription lenses for my... um, oculus rift uh, sorry my htc vive uh and it's the best thing i ever did for my vr because i wear glasses i have a have mild astigmatism which i wear glasses for um and i could use the headsets without glasses on um they do just about squeeze in but it's obviously better not to have them on and having bought these vr lenses you just pop them in your headset and then you have perfect vision and it doesn't make any difference to the headset at all it's fantastic um, and I bought them from a company called VRLens.eu, um, and apparently that's the better company to use. There's another company uh, called LensLab who make them, and on Reddit forums and various places, there are lots of complaints about the quality of their optics. There's a lot of distortion and sort of barrel um, barrel lens distortion on it. So if you want VR lenses for your VR headsets, then I would recommend using VRLens.eu because I've had a fantastic experience from them. Do you do okay. you clip, do you clip oh, them in? Do you clip them in to the headset, or do you have to take out the existing Fresnel lenses and put them in instead? No, the, the existing Fresnel lenses stay there. They just clip on top. So if someone else wants to use your headset and doesn't need glasses, you can just easily pop them out. Oh, okay. Uh, Toby, obviously, uh, you have to know what your prescription is because these people aren't going to be uh, performing an examination on you. <laughs> you're, you're uh, not, yes, you're, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, when you've had your eyes tested, they usually give you a card that has your prescription on it, and then you just go online and you fill out their form, and then they make the lens and post it to you. And it took about a week, I think, to come through from. I think they're in Europe somewhere, and so it only took about six or seven days to get here from. So it was a fantastic, fantastic purchase. I'm highly, highly recommend it if you, you do wear glasses in VR. And, and and how much did this cost? Oh, that's a good question. I can't remember. I think it was. Well, uh, no, I can't remember. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't horrendously expensive. I think it was about thirty or forty pounds. Oh well, that's not expensive at all. No, I was. I was expecting a few hundred. The, so no, no, no. It was nowhere near as expensive as that. Um, it is certainly very reasonable considering the cost of a VR headset in the first place. Are they plastic yeah. or glass? It's plastic. I think. Yeah. I'll just check. That's pro- probably why they're cheap. But um, that's that, that sounds fine to me. I'm. I, I don't have a VR headset, and and it's not really something I've I've looked into. But when I have used VR headsets, I find my glasses do tend to get in the way. Um, but I can't quite manage without my glasses. For somebody like me, that probably would be a good solution. Okay, I've just popped one out of the headset, and it is glass. Oh, okay. Well, that's good oh, then. Oh, no, well, I'm not sure actually now. Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's plastic. <laughs> okay. The, the trick is the trick is is to get to get a scalpel and see if you can scratch them. That's a great idea. Hold it over a candle. Then you'll know. (laughs) Well, it's definitely either plastic or glass. Well, it definitely, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or possibly some some kind of um, uh, non-Newtonian fluid. (laughs) I'm pretty Uh, sure they're plastic. Okay. Play! So uh, let's find out what we've been playing for the last couple of weeks or so. And I'm going to nominate Kendrick to go first. I have been playing, uh, among my other retro choices, .hack GU Last Recode, 
This is the uh, remaster of the second uh, of the series of Dot .hack games that originally came out on the PlayStation 2. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this. This is the venerable uh, simulated MMO. Um, are the three of you familiar with the narrative? I'm aware of the games and a little about them, but not, not a great deal. Yes, All right. summary um, wouldn't hurt. Try, try this on for size. It's the near future, and uh, I guess the best way to summarize it is that Microsoft has bought Activision and has made World of Warcraft a standard feature of Microsoft Windows. <laughs> Essentially, the whole world runs on one operating system, and the whole world plays one MMO. And right. um, the game is... It's it's very clunky and very dated now, but it was hugely imaginative in that when you weren't actually playing, you were presented on your PlayStation 2 screen with what looked like a uh, graphical user interface where you could read news about uh, incidents in cyber cafes where players were falling down dead hmm. and uh, unrelated advances in technology. Uh, you know, related to material science and space exploration that wouldn't tie into what was happening to you in the MMO until the second or third episode. And so it was creating this whole world with text more than subtext. But really the fun part is being in the actual MMO itself, leveling up and watching the game uh, give you access to things that the other quote-unquote players didn't have access to because that's the conceit of the game is that the MMO is breaking down because an AI is forming and it's uh, trying to get out into the real world and you're playing a part in its uh, eventual discovery of its own sentience. Um, I've only been into the first couple of hours of it, which unfortunately is lots of, you know, barely dressed anime girls talking at each other and not actually playing the game. But once you get past that, there's really a solid action RPG in there. Um... I bought the three games on the PlayStation 2, and I'm ashamed to admit that I only made it halfway through the first one. Uh, this PlayStation 4 re-release includes not just those three episodes, but a fourth unreleased game that I'm uh, led to understand they didn't release on the PlayStation 2 because sales were dwindling and the, uh, you know, the uh, PS3 was right around the corner and they didn't feel like it was worth the bother. Right. So it's it's a it's a it's a fantastic value to me for you know to have all four of those games together for the price of just the one. But very a lot of people aren't me, and so I don't know if anyone else is going to like this game as much as I do. Just to be clear, it's not an actual MMO; it's a simulated no. MMO with NPCs, that, right? That's that's correct. Yeah, and okay. with the NPCs, uh, you don't just interact with them in game; you also interact with them outside of the game, where they email you and uh, you set up. Uh, you know, an appointment to play together and to be in the same party or be in the same guild. It's almost as annoying as actually playing an MMO. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds, um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling to get my head around how the, the game actually plays out. Um, it, it seems to be just, just real life, but then... Well, I don't know. <laughs> okay, let me, let, me, let me describe it this way. You know how in the Persona games you have the... Dungeon crawling, yes, which is broken up by the uh, school interaction and relationship building during yes. the day. Yes, it's a lot like that. Uh, at night, you're on the MMO, uh, grinding and leveling up and collecting equipment. During the day, you're reading emails and you're connecting with people and you're trying to get more information that will help you be more successful in the game. So Got it's it. that kind of split. 
Right. Okay. When you when you, you you describe it in terms of persona, I think I want to play it now. But um, <laughs> yeah, oh, that sounds good. Okay. So Toby, what have you been up to? Uh, so this weekend there was a, a free weekend on Steam for a game called Lawbreakers, which I'd had my eye on for a while. Um, I've always liked the old um, first-person shooters like Quake Three and Unreal Tournament, um, and this is like the modern reimagining of them. Uh, it's a game from Chris, Cliff Blazinski. Uh, probably came out about a year ago, maybe a bit less than that. Um, so I thought I'd give the free weekend a go, um, playing it across the weekend. Um, it runs really well, which I was really pleased with it. Like just on default settings, I was pulling 120 to 350 frames per second, which is like on a modern game, you, you don't expect that. And you can, you know, alt tab out and everything. It's like off the bat, I liked it just because it was running really nicely on my computer. Um, the gist of it is um, it's like a fast-paced um, arena FPS, multiplayer only, um, with a couple of different game modes, sort of like capture the flag. Um, but they have uh, the, the gimmick, I guess, is that there are regions of the levels which have gravity and re- regions of the levels that don't have gravity um, so that you can be running along and then launch yourself into the air and then fly up over behind someone and then land and then run around the back. Like it's it's very much you, you're looking in all directions at all times and trying to think how to use the level um, three-dimensionally rather than just uh, on a flat plane. Um, so is that is that why it's called Lawbreakers, as in it's law of gravity breakers rather than it's, specific? Law? It's got this ridiculous law that's L O R E, um, where uh, there's the there's the people who agree with breaking gravity, and there's the people who think that you should obey gravity. And if you're on one side, that's the law, and the other side is called the breakers, and it's a bit like. Um, overwatch in that you have um like five different characters to choose from and they all have particular abilities and there's like five that are law and five that are breakers um that was where i originally struggled with it because i'm you know i'm not very good at these modern class-based shooters because i always just get a bit overwhelmed with all the options you know like overwatch um i I just kind of like my favorite first person shooter is instajip you know that gets rid of the armor and the health and the weapons and you just have to point and shoot that's my level when you add normal death matching in it gets a little bit complicated but i still like it but when you go to something like um overwatch or lawbreakers it's just the the number of options is just a bit overwhelming and i I struggle to get my head around it so like one of the characters um in lawbreakers his ability is to put up a wall in front of him to to protect himself but i just kept accidentally triggering it while i was trying to run forward so i was just like building a wall and running straight into it so it's it's more than my old brain can can cope with and and the medic character i couldn't get my head around them either like i couldn't actually work out how to heal anyone you know this is like this is basic stuff and i probably if i spent more time in the weekend the more time with the game i could get around to learning it but across the weekend there was a lot of characters to learn um but in the end i did work out a couple of characters that i was keen on um there's this lady with a rocket launcher or i guess if you play on the the other team she's a man with a rocket launcher um and she was pretty good for the uplink game mode which is sort of like king of the hill um we have to defend an area and then there's a there's like a bog standard soldier guy that i gravitated towards who seemed to work for all of the other game modes um which were more like capture the flag and a general deathmatch. but it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it um and uh it was quite tempted to buy it it when it it, it's on sale at the moment for 12 pounds which is pretty cheap um and when i downloaded it for the uh free weekend i worked out that if you kept it running 
then the free weekend would potentially last forever. So I thought I'd manage to pull a fast one there and have it for a bit longer. So I just left it on all night. But then, unfortunately, we had a power cut in the morning, so I, I didn't get to keep it forever. Um, but I'm sort of hovering over the buy button because... I don't know if it's it's kind of got the feeling of a game that's probably about to go free to play. I was looking at the the player counts on it and over the last sort of 6 months some months it's got like 7000 players and some months it's got 50. So I guess 7000 is when they're doing a a, a a special weekend and 50 is like the normal month by month numbers which is a pretty low number. So I'm yeah, I don't know if I'm willing to launch 12 quid on a game that might not have people playing on it or yeah. that's probably going to just go free with cosmetic loot crates in the next six months anyway. So I'll just get it then, you know. Maybe yeah. Do, two cents I've seen a lot money. of positive stuff about it. I've seen a lot of positive talk about it. Yeah. And a lot of people saying that it's just been overlooked by Overwatch, really. Um, yeah. Which, which I realise they're not quite the same type of game, but, you know, to, to, to the layman, that they probably are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it seems a lot faster and a lot more, dare I say, skill-based than Overwatch, yeah. a lot more, um, like, twitchy. Um, uh, I really like that. I've only played Overwatch on the Xbox, so I haven't played it with a mouse and keyboard. I don't know what it's like on, on PC. But um, this really did feel a lot like I was playing Unreal Tournament. It had that sort of speed and pace of those old first-person shooter games that I cut my teeth on. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. On the topic of platforms, Lawbreakers is obviously uh, PC exclusive at this time. Is that correct? I think so. Okay. Do you think it would work on a console? Do you think uh, there's enough support, uh, or there would that there would, would be enough support for it there? I mean, it's about a level playing field, isn't it? I mean, the game itself is all about being fast and being able to look in all directions very quickly. And for that, you would probably want a mouse and keyboard. But if everyone was on the controller, then I guess that would not be such a problem but you wouldn't get that freedom of movement that for me is so exhilarating when i play the game when you when you pull off a cool move and you do something really quick and whip around and shoot someone then it feels good and if, you know that's harder to do with a controller um and luffer andy what have you been playing oh me all right we'll go with me then um well i just want to quickly mention stardew valley because i'm now racked up i think 85 hours on that I think I'm into the um, kind of the end game now. There's there's a bit at some point in the game where you are basically rated on how good a farmer you've been and, and a number of candles light up and I've managed to get all four candles. That won't make, make much sense to anybody who hasn't played the game, but it's it's a marker of sorts of how well you're doing. Right, um, four candles yeah so, so the end game isn't all the bumblebees die and all of your crops don't get pollinated or something like that it's it's got a more positive outlook has it uh, yeah yeah unless, unless of course i forget to to actually um do anything during the day and just just I, I keep i keep forgetting to pause the game when i have to go and do something else and come back and found them um got no energy left and have to rush home and go to bed um which is a pain but yeah i mean it's it's i've said before it's, it's harvest moon um in a in a in different clothes and um there's not a huge amount to it but it's 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 addictive and um yeah i'm, I'm enjoying it. I, i'm not sure i've got another 80 hours left in me i think i'm running out of things to do now so maybe another 20 and i'll call it a day but um we'll see so there's Please that tell me you speak to yourself in a west country accent while you're playing I don't need to do that because um, my, my daughter does um, an American South accent all the time. She um, even uh, better. She, yeah, yeah. Well, she, and that's the other thing. That's the other thing that's stopping me playing it is the fact that she's stolen it. So um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, does uh, she have her own save, or is she going in and eating all your apples? No, nope. she's she's got her own save now. One of the selling points of it on the Switch was that it was going to be the first platform to get um, simultaneous multiplayer, which it doesn't have yet. 
um i was kind of expecting it to have it to start with but it hasn't so i was i was kind of holding on until that happened so that she could play at the same time as me but um i don't know i, I couldn't wait any longer uh, and she was oh, so you mean as as single player, simultaneous multiplayer on one console yes so you can share con- controller and yeah I, I, I don't know how it was going to work. Presumably, you would have the same farm, but you would both be able to go off and do different things. I, I presume. I don't know. That sounds quite cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that'd be quite good, uh, especially when it comes to watering things. I could go and do fun stuff like kill things, and she can just go and water all the crops. Um, <laughs> you know, slave, slave labor for children. It's yeah, brilliant. or she doesn't get pudding. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> anyway, so that's um, Stardew Valley. Uh, I'll just mention this money for Luffer's um, benefit. I was um, given a copy of uh, Race 07, or Race Ignition, as it might also be called, yeah. um, which you may or may not, may not have heard of. Um, I'll make a mention here. There's um, somebody on Twitter called uh, Indie Gamer Chick, and every now and again, uh, usually for events like Halloween and for Christmas and for New Year and stuff, she manages to convince a load of indie game developers to give her Steam keys for games, which she then hands out to people. Uh, with the proviso that you actually talk about the game that you've been given so um and they, they're usually given out randomly as well so uh, i was given this game race ignition so i um, dutifully went and played it for a bit and um it's a racing simulation game not really formula one because i was playing i was driving a mini um uh, i did one track through uh, anderstorp in sweden if anybody knows the track i didn't yes i, I well i know it but then i've played a lot of tracks so. yeah sure and uh, lo and behold couldn't get around the first corner so, <laughs> um, um i assume you were playing this with a mouse or sorry a gamepad rather than a steering no no uh, it, it didn't appear to support any game pads or a mouse so i had to play it with uh, uh the arrow keys so, <laughs> yeah, racing um, simulations with a keyboard is probably not going to give you the best experience or most realistic simulation. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I did find the um, uh, the guy who kept telling me that my suspension was shot or um, or my brakes were starting to fail. I thought that was quite good as I as I bounced off every single barrier on every single corner. That was um, yeah. Anyway, I thought you might. Maybe they should add a bumper car um, mode. It's possibly there. I just didn't see it. Um, yeah. Um, unfortunately it doesn't matter how much you smash up your car I mean I wasn't intending to smash it up but it it did get quite smashed it didn't seem to affect very much Um, so I don't know if that's another option there somewhere to make it a bit more realistic Um, I don't know I'm sorry Uh, culture corner for a moment I thought that in the UK bumper cars were known as dodgems yes officially you're not supposed to bump into other people there's big signs up saying don't bump into other people you have to dodge them yeah dodge them yeah okay so so because that's the point Right, so bumper cars is what they really are, and Dodgems is what the man wants you to call them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I yeah. think that's a fair summary. Yeah, Excellent. it is. Okay. Um, but the main thing I've been playing, well, the main thing is actually Stardew Valley, but we've talked about that before. So the, 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 the other main thing that I've been playing for the last few weeks is Super Mario Odyssey, which is fun. Um, it's got nice blue skies and red skies and purple skies and black skies and lots of other colored skies, um, apart from the first level, which is, you know, um, mostly monochrome and a bit dull and a bit disappointing to the start of the game. Actually, you, you open up onto the level and it's, and it's almost black and white. There's not much there. There's a lot of fog and, um, it's not a good introduction to the game. And then um, you, you start to get the feeling that it's a lot like uh, Mario 64 and Mario Sunshine as opposed to some of the other Mario games. Only instead of collecting uh, stars and shines, you collect moons. Um, and instead of there being 120 of them, 
there are hundreds there are so many moons to collect there's like i think i've got 750 so far and i know there's well over 800 um some of them are fun and some of them are obvious like there's a glowing bump on the ground um and you know if there's a glowing bump on the ground you ground pound it sometimes you get a moon sometimes you get some coins occasionally you get baddies come out um but the problem is so many of the moons are actually boring or obvious or pointless or tedious or um there's just too many i think i'd have preferred um far fewer of them but a better experience for each i have to say uh, I, I suspect i, I never oh, really sorry, got on with um collectathon platformers in general but including uh mario 64 for me if i like in mario 64 you you're in the castle and there's all these doors and you can do them in more or less you know pick pick your order and the aim of each one is to get the star and then that might unlock some more doors but for me that yeah. just doesn't motivate me what i need is a game that goes from left to right and at the far right is the final boss and like then i will travel through it that motivates me but this whole you need to go and get 700 moons or 60 stars or something is just it just seems like work to well, me i know it's it, like it, it's ridiculous but it, that's how my brain works well it does work a little bit towards what what you want because you you don't need anywhere near that many in order to actually finish the game okay and in actual fact around half of them possibly even more than half of them are locked off until after you've completed the game so i was going to say the moon collection is uh a reward system for its own sake it's nothing to do with actually completing the game or achieving any kind of stated goal it's a goal unto itself you need to get a few moon. You need to get a, a number of moons to move on to the next level, um, but in actual fact, you can buy some of them from a shop, hmm. uh, not with real money, but with coins you've actually collected in the game. So you you can kind of jump ahead a bit there, um, but but I don't know. It's just it's just not as it's not as tight. It's not as focused as as Mario sixty four was. Um, the the worlds for the most part are bigger, and yeah, some of them look fantastic. I mean, every single one's got a, a different art style to the rest of them. Um, like it's got its own color scheme and its own uh, its own gimmick. Um, it's like uh, the 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 one that, that that a lot of people complained about and hated the look of was New Donk City, with the uh, the the more realistic looking people in it, and and uh, that's actually one of the better levels in the game. Um, it, because the layout and, and and it's more interesting to try and get to places within there. There's a lot of verticality in there, and um, um, obviously climbing up towers and things, and and wondering how to get from the top of one tower to another tower. Yeah, whereas say, some of the other ones. Are. You know, when I saw um, that, it reminded me of the. Is it one of the Sonic games where he meets the president and he comes? First time you see him with a, a real human, and it was just so jarring it's, for these worlds it's to combine. Sta- Station Square from um, Sonic Adventure. That's yeah. exactly what it looked like, Station Square. But it's 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 not like that. That was my fear as well going into it but it actually turns out that that's quite good okay um one of the, the first things i sorry the levels themselves are are, are fine that they're, they're okay there's there's a couple that feel too small there's um uh i think it's called the lake kingdom which is uh it seems very very um enclosed um you know you've got you've got high walls around it and it seems artificially small um but then there's the sand kingdom which is massive it's a, it's a massive desert and it takes ages to get from one side to the other but there's not an awful lot in the gaps between uh, the town and the pyramid and um, the oasis and the other bit areas are there. There's, 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 there's not a lot on the way. Um, so it's, it's odd. It, it feels a bit all over the place, almost as if a different team has developed each, each of the levels. So it doesn't quite gel together. I mean, part of that is the point, is that each one needs to be completely different to all the others. Um, and then there are some things that tie them all together. So uh, some of the moons that you get on each one are the same. Like there's uh, Coopers that you, ch- that you race, 
um, on each one. There are um, uh, people wearing hats that you have to find in each one, um, and there's you know there's other recurring things that, that happen. But I don't know. It just it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel as good as as as, as um, Mario sixty four or Mario Sunshine, and I'm, I, f- I feel it it's a bit disappoint a bit disappointing as a result. Um, but the, the positive side, I mean, Mario uh, controls really well because he's, he's Mario, he, he does. Although there's a downside there as well. Some of the moves that you can do, you can only do with motion controls, um, which when you're playing handheld with the Joy-Con actually strapped to the Switch is a pain because you can't do them properly. There's at least one moon I've found so far, which is impossible to actually get in, in that in that way. Um, uh, the, the gimmick of the game, by the way, is, is that you throw your hat uh, onto baddies and then you can then control the baddies. Uh, or, or just other characters so one of the moons that you get uh, requires you to take over a frog which can jump really high um, and then to jump a little bit higher you have to shake the joy-con but you can't shake the joy-con because you've got the whole switch in your hand and if you shake it you, it doesn't work properly so you literally can't jump high enough in order to get the the, the moon so that's a pain and seems a bit silly but other than that the cat mechanics uh, is better than i thought it was going to be and capturing enemies makes for uh clever puzzles and it changes the platforming up a bit uh, you can also throw the cap and then jump on the cap um to, to to get it jump a bit further or a bit higher so that's good and throwing the cap to attack things as well that's okay i didn't think i was going to like that but that's that's all right it's a it's a bit imprecise sometimes um but not really so much that it's a problem um, is it explained why the cap can suddenly control frogs well like how does that come about uh, the cap is a sentient being um the, the cap's girlfriend has been kidnapped along with peach and so you and the cap um, has, has the cap always been a sentient being and it's just never spoken up no, before it's now not, it's not actually mario's cap ah right it's another cat it's a cap being from the cap kingdom <laughs> um and one of the first things that happens in the game is mario's actual cap gets shredded <laughs> right, no. okay. yeah. um, which kind of sets the scene for the whole game really <laughs> uh, but anyway yeah um another down point is the bosses um th- there are these um rabbit things that they call brutals um which are terribly designed horrible things i mean it's a terrible name for a start um and they appear several times each they're far too easy to beat and they're, they're, they're just awful designs and nintendo can create amazing characters or, or even boring characters and make them and mario himself is boring he's 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 he's, he's just you know a fat man he's, he's not um you know anything spectacular but they managed to make him interesting or whatever but these boodles there's, there's nothing to them um you know that they're not they're not good at all and why didn't they use some of the other characters they already had like they could have used the cooper kids which i understand that not everybody likes but at least would have made more sense in the game and um you know they're already there um but the the boodle rabbits are like they're, they're bubsy the bobcat tier level design they're, they're awful and that this is not really a spoiler but after you completed the game you unlock basically a boss rush where you have to fight them all again in it's, yeah anyway so uh Super Mario Odyssey, it's good, but I'm disappointed. Out of ten? Um eight, seven maybe. I mean I've had fun, but it's too long. There's too there's too much in it. They should have cut some stuff down. And yeah. Is it too yeah. long if you're just interested in the story? No, no, it's only about probably eight, maybe ten hours long. Yeah, okay. So so that's my rant. Um <laughs> love for something good, hopefully. <laughs> uh, so just quickly question before we move on to what I've been playing. Um are you still playing golf story? Uh a little. Um, not an awful lot, um, mainly because of um, Stardew Valley and Super Mario Odyssey and not being able to use my Switch because it's been stolen. Okay, fair enough. But, but it's not through want of trying. 
Right, in that case, I shall move on to what I've been playing, which this time is exclusively on mobile because I've been working and not really had any time to game on the computer. So just in my breaks in between work, I have been playing a game called Color Switch, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, I believe it's free, um, and it may or may not be ad-supported, but if it is ad-supported, I've bought the ad-free version, and I can't remember if I paid for it or not. Um, but essentially, it's one main game mode where you just tap the screen to bounce the ball or whatever object, you, whatever icon you are, because you unlock different icons, which has no bearing on the actual gameplay. It's just a, a cosmetic thing. Um, but you just tap on the screen to bounce up and down, and you have to work your way through various different levels and obstacles, um, and the, the color of your icon changes and the obstacles you have to get through are different colors so if your icon matches the color of the obstacle you can pass through it if you're a different color then you 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 die um and you collect stars as you go through which enables you to unlock more icons in the game and it's just a high score thing the further up you get the more points you get so that's the main game mode but then on top of that there's uh, a game mode section and inside there there are dozens and dozens of different game modes and each one is a completely different game essentially um just this the same basic rule applies if you have a colored icon and you have to get and your color if you have a color um, obstacle then it you can go through it but they change up the gaming so there's like a it's like a version that's breakout where you change your color of your icon and whatever color icon you are, if you hit those colors, it destroys those bricks and then you can change the color of your icon and break different bricks. Um, so there's that mode and there's a nice mode where you slide down this um, ramp continuously and you have to jump through the hoops and various obstacles. Um, there's another mode which is like a platformer mode where you have to jump over obstacles and it, it constantly go you're constantly moving along the platform and you have to work your way through the levels I and mean, there's just dozens and dozens and dozens of games and each one has like 100 different levels within it so there's just hours and hours and hours of gameplay in there and it's fantastic and they keep updating it as well so i'll 100 percent i'll get 100 on one certain um, game mode and then two days later they'll say oh they'll update the game and there'll be another 20 levels to play um, so that's fantastic. It's just a brilliant game. I highly recommend that one. It's been okay. brilliant. Um, and it, is that is that um, free to play or? Uh, I, yeah, I believe it's free to play. I I can't remember if it was if it was ad supported or not. It may have been ad supported, and I've paid to unlock the full version. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one to check out. Um, so the other game we've been playing uh, is also on Android, and it's a game called Yellow, um, and that's by a chap called Bart Bonte, and he's got a few games on the App Store. Uh, yellow is one of them and it's basically a puzzle game um, and the idea is to turn the screen of your phone yellow um, and each level is a different puzzle but the kind of gimmick is that they, they don't he doesn't tell you what the puzzle is hmm. so you don't know what you've got to do to solve it you have to part of the whole object is to figure out what the puzzle is and then solve the puzzle so right. each each different level has a different logic to it and you have to figure out what that is this reminds me a bit of a game called windowsill do you know windowsill yes i remember that was what i was thinking of but i couldn't remember the name yeah do you, yeah. Do you know have you played good. that Luffer? i haven't no i will check that one out windows i think it's on steam but it's also possibly available as a downloadable flash game and it's as you described so you you're a little ball or a little cart and you roll onto the left of a fixed screen and each screen is a lovely beautifully designed little mechanism of like maybe a hill with some tubes and a ramp and a 
a thing that goes you know or pipe that pumps out and you have to work out how each one operates and um and navigate through the levels like that what you're describing sounds right. similar so yeah so with yellow you just get um lots of different colors on the screen and then if you tap a certain area it might change it to from red to green and then if you tap if you tap it twice it turns it yellow so then everything that's a different color you tap twice and then it goes yellow and when you've done that you've solved that puzzle and then you go to the next one and it'll be a completely different logic to figure out um and it's not a very long game i think there was only about 40 different puzzles but it was thoroughly enjoyable and some of them are pretty tricky to figure out um and then the other one i've been playing is called what's in the box and that's also a bark bonte game is, um, is this like curiosity by any chance don't think so i or don't know that one is it like seven <laughs> <laughs> nothing so what's what's in the box it's basically um well, it's called what's inside the box rather than what's in the box what's inside the box um and it's similar to yellow uh, where you have a different puzzle and each time you solve the puzzle you open that lev- that layer of the box and you have to there's a hundred levels in total and you have to work your way through all of the puzzles to find out what's inside the box at the end of the game and again it's brilliant there's some in- ingenious puzzles in there um, some of them use the gyroscope in your phone so you have to roll the ball around uh, to solve a, like a maze there are um, sliding tile games which personally i hate but i was able to bear them in this game just to get through the level um because each level is very short as well so even if you don't like a particular puzzle it's over quite quickly and you'll be onto a different puzzle Hmm. Uh, and again that's that's brilliant and some of them are just so devious and there's sometimes they'll give you clues um on the screen uh other times you you're pretty much left to your own devices just to figure out how to fix solve the puzzle and brilliant in fact most of the stuff that but bonte has released has been brilliant he did a game called factory balls i don't know which some people might have played um where you have to um match the ball with various icons and it you layer things on top of the ball um you'd have to play it to understand exactly that but yeah he's a very clever developer and he's doing some interesting things so it's worth checking those out so the three games you've listed i had a look they're all on ios as well as android my question is how on earth do you find mobile games because i just never even look in that box because it's full of rubbish uh i generally get them from recommendations from other people yeah okay yeah um well yellow was a recommendation to me from someone else and then i found what's inside the box by looking at other games from that developer because i thought what's a game what else has he made and and discovered it through that i was going to say advertising and rating systems in the uh in both of the app stores are complete nonsense they they don't lead you to uh reasonable uh opinions about the product at all Mm. no no what they need is some kind of curation (laughs) system (laughs) which um yeah like like on steam which um I, I, I think I think Toby might know some more about yes um well uh prior to this uh, podcast going out I set up a steam creator page for the UGVM group for um anyone who wants to follow that um but I did distribute the link with you guys beforehand and I'm not sure if you could get to it okay did you did you manage to find it managed, okay? managed to find a way in the end to get there and I will put a link in the uh show notes when i actually put the episode up yeah that'd be good i think the gist of it is you go within steam you go to the store and then click on curators and then find more curators and then you search for ugvm anyway we'll be sticking in um games that we discussed that are available on there in that so you can sort of you know an alternative to the show notes i guess what for me that there's not that much actually um i had loads of stuff on my on my list of things that i wanted but I, I think Stardew Valley kind of just killed my enthusiasm for anything else. 
because um, I don't think I'll be playing anything else <laughs> for a while. I just, I just had a fantastic thought. What if the next version of Stardew Valley also includes golf courses? <laughs> that, that, <laughs> then we'd never need to buy another game. That would be it, yeah. I'll, I'll get working on it right away. Good, yeah, that's, that's a USP, definitely, so... Is anybody else like to offer anything that they are looking forward to? Toby, maybe. Uh, well, just I remembered the other day that Johan Sebastian Joust exists, and I still haven't played it, and it, um, I own it now. It's it's come out on PC, but um, you obviously need a bunch of PS Move controllers. And I remember when it came out, they were quite expensive, and I thought, yeah, but it's a waggly motion controller. That's a fad. I'll get them cheap in five years' time. But PlayStation are still using them for PSVR, so there's no chance of getting them yeah. for cheap. So what what I want is cheap PS Move controllers. There was a time when they were cheap. They, 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 because because PS Move had, had just died a death. They all got traded in, went very, very cheap. I remember seeing the um, uh, the main bit because there's two, isn't there? There's like the um, uh, the the handheld like half a controller bit, and then there's the wand bit. Mm, I remember seeing the wands. Yeah, I remember seeing the wands for a fiver in game. Uh, But then PSVR came out, needed them again, and the price shot up again. It's kind of like the Wii remotes when the Wii U came out. Wii remotes were were pennies, and then the Wii U came out, and suddenly everybody realised they needed them again, and the prices went back up. So to be clear, this is the same. This is the same PS Move controller that was used on the PS3. Yes. Yeah. That's that's astonishing to me. I, I I'm I'm surprised they didn't just go and uh, create a brand new controller standard like they always do. I think it was more to keep the cost of entry down for VR than because yeah. they, they want to establish themselves in the VR marketplace as the market leaders, and to do that you need to be cheap. Okay. Um, Luffer, what do you want? Uh, well, what talking VR? I want better VR headsets. Looking at the Pimax 8K VR, I'm not sure I'm ready to jump on the 8K just yet because uh, that's going to need a lot of horsepower graphics-wise to drive that, and also it's very early in the early days. But certainly interested at in looking in for the new versions of the uh, HC Vive and Oculus Rift to see what they're planning for their yeah. next um, generation because we must be getting close to them announcing something. I look at the Pimax and it's like with the Xbox One X, I think it's fixing the wrong thing. Like, I'm not too bothered about the screen door effect. I don't really, after I've been in VR for a couple of minutes, I don't see it unless I look out for it. But explain, thing- explain what the screen door effect is. So screen door effect is where you can see the edges of the pixels, the, the, where the pixels join together. You can see like a, a line, a very fine line. Right. Um, as Toby says, when you're actually playing it, and you're immersed in the game, you really don't notice the screen door at all. Right. So it, it's not much. I mean, people make it more of an issue than it really is in practice. Yeah, it's, it's called screen door effect. Like, we, it doesn't make sense to us in England because we don't have them. But in countries where they have lots of mozzies and they have their front door and then they have that screen door as well. You know, the like on that, neighbors, got you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that would put like a mesh over everything when you looked out yeah. at um, the, the your neighbors. Um, and yeah. VR is a bit like that. Um, but to me, it doesn't bother me. What bothers me when I wear my Vive for a while is the weight of the thing. And that's what I want to go down. And I look at the Pimax and it's huge. Um, <laughs> it's matter, exactly. It? So it's fixing the wrong thing. I, always, I also think wireless is going to be a big game changer for VR as well, because being tethered is a very a big annoyance. But that comes with batteries. So it's trade-offs, isn't it? You know, It does. I, like yeah. the weight I'd want to get rid of, but both of those would be good. Yeah. Surely there must be a wearable battery pack or something you can have that, that you know, means it doesn't need to be clamped to your head, but you could wear it like as well, a... Well, people have made belt. VR backpacks, so you can have like a laptop and a battery and everything in your, on a backpack and then have the headset connected so you can walk around with the backpack on and, yeah. and then you can be completely uh, wire-free in that regard. 
there's another because obviously carrying your computer on the back is not great but there's another one which is a wireless emitter that sits on top of your head that's about the size of a twinkie i guess um and then you have a, another thing like a lighthouse in your room um but it's uh more money and if you just spent a lot of money on a vr headset then to spend another few hundred quid on being wireless uh it's uh, I, it's not taken off i could be wrong but aren't vive htc actually making a wireless version soon for the or is someone making a wireless version I'm that's sure the I've one i'm that. talking about that's the one i'm oh, talking, that's the about. One talking yeah, about yeah i'm trying to remember the name of it but it does exist uh so yeah so there's that uh yeah so then looking for news on the new generation of vr headsets um i want to see some stuff on that um that other thing i'd like to see is a good football manager game for uh, for mobile or um yeah for mobile in general i like i quite, quite enjoy playing football manager games on the computer but i just don't have the time to spend hours sat in front of a computer playing football manager games um, you so may like be in get... luck you oh, may really? be in luck i was going to say is this the sega version uh for mobile is that not uh, an acceptable alternative i haven't played the sega version i was not aware of that one i've only seen i played a game called football chairman on android yeah. um but it was very shallow um it just didn't go into enough detail for me enough depth so maybe i should look at the sega one yeah they own football manager license now don't they i'm sure they do it's bound to be there somewhere um now what i was going to say is um kevin toms who basically invented football manager with the game football manager originally back in the 80s and then he was the uh, the first guy to sell a million copies of one computer game i believe um yeah he's back and developing a new football manager game okay so there is a good chance that that might be heading its way to android i don't think he's kickstarting it i think he's actually got funding for it some other way so um i don't know whether that'll make it more or less likely to come out but um yeah so that could be on the way uh okay and so apart from that the only other thing i want is to look at building myself a retro arcade cabinet uh, I think RetroPie exists, which is quite good now. Yes. Um, and obviously, using legally obtained ROMs for games you own, um, you can create your own cabinets on a Raspberry Pi. And uh, I'd quite like to do that as a little project when I have some time. Yes. Um, yeah, I've, I've thought the same thing as well, actually, using Raspberry Pi. It seems to be the perfect thing for it. I so actually kind of... have a cocktail uh, arcade unit that once housed a, a, a Moonlander game in it uh, all the components are burned out but it's been on my to-do list for 20 years now to replace the crt with an lcd screen <laughs> add a console with uh genuine arcade controls on it and get a pc in it to uh, run some emulation and i just haven't found the time so it's yeah. interesting that you say you're looking at replacing the crt with an lcd because when i was looking at building one myself i was trying to or planning on actually finding a crt to put in it yeah um, well, this CRT, the CRT in question that I would be replacing happens to be monochrome. It's a black and white CRT, so right. wouldn't be much use for, you know, other games. Yeah. It's good. The, the other good thing about the Raspberry Pi is is that if, if you do have a CRT and everything, there is actually a, an add-on board for the Raspberry Pi that talks directly to them. Um, and there is also another add-on board which is designed to be wired directly into arcade controls. Um, and I believe they're supported natively in RetroPie now as well. So um, it, it, it can't get any easier than that, really, putting one together. Um, and, yeah, I still haven't done it. So there we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's me done. So I guess it's uh, Kendrick. Kendrick, yeah. All right. Well, very briefly, um, I'm on the lookout for uh, re-releases of Wii U exclusive titles. Um Basically, I'm waiting for Bayonetta 2 to come out on some other platform because I couldn't justify getting a Wii U 
just for the one game. Um, I'm also uh, watching the East 8 news with interest. Um, I don't know if you follow the uh, RPG news at all, but that game was released in an extraordinarily buggy state Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where it wasn't even playable on consoles. And uh, so there's been updates and fixes promised and uh, the noise is kind of tapered off, but I'm waiting for uh, I'm waiting for that situation to settle itself. The main thing I want right now, after having seen some footage of it online, is Monster Hunter World, which is surprising the heck out of me because I felt like I was kind of burnt out on Monster Hunter after the latest 3DS iteration of it. Uh, four super turbo hyper, you know, double double edition. cross, isn't it? I think. Or uh, yes, yes, double cross. That's that's yeah. that's what it was. Uh, XX, as it were. Yeah, kiss and, kiss. Uh, <laughs> And uh, wrong, um, wrong. I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't get very deep into the game because a, it depends a lot on multiplayer, and b, it was a lot of multiple boss rush type missions where you have to fight three different types of bosses with three different elemental properties, and uh, doing that as a solo player just wasn't entertaining. Uh, the big change with Monster Hunter World, uh, apart from it being available on PC, is that you no longer have to wait for it to load between different areas of uh, the uh, gameplay instance. It's a seamless play area where you're just chasing the monster through narrow passageways and uh, into wide open grasslandy areas or enclosed forest areas. There's no more loading screens. So I don't know if they're going to get away with it. I don't know if this is going to work, especially if... They plan if Capcom plans to support uh, cross-platform play, but I can't wait to see it, and I'm very likely to just buy it and play the heck out of it anyway, and then get burnt out all over again. I've never played a Monster Hunter game, but I'm always uh, I quite like to give it a try. I'm really attracted by the um, big monsters, like you know, I, I know people don't like boss battles, but I do, and um, they have really charismatic creature designs. So whenever I see those screenshots or those videos, I'm like, yeah, this is a game I want to try. But then when I watch more gameplay videos, there seems to be an awful lot of going back to the village and fiddling with your armor stats, which I don't really feel like I have time for that's, these days. That's where the real game is, really. Yeah, yeah. It it is it is a game designed to cultivate your OCD. It yeah. is extraordinarily tedious in certain ways. If you play as a uh, uh, as a as a as a fighter with bladed weapons, you have to stop every now and again to sharpen the knives and sharpen the swords before you can continue a, uh, a fight. If you're a uh, a fighter with a, a ranged weapon, a bow gun as they call it in the game, um, every now and again you have to stop and craft more ammunition out of the plant material and animal dung lying around. Mm -hmm. And you know, for for an insane person like me, that's incredibly entertaining <laughs> to a point. For most people who just want to get out there and play a you know multiplayer co-op game, maybe not so much. And Capcom hasn't quite cracked the Western market in terms of getting the kind of penetration and popularity that they have in Japan with the series. Which is why why Monster Hunter World has a few concessions. I think um, it seems to be from what I've read. A bit quicker, um, a bit less clunky, um, a bit less grindy, unless you really want it to be. Um, generally, just a bit faster and a bit, I don't know, a bit less Japanese, I suppose. <laughs> well, that will be the trick, is yeah. if Capcom manages to capture uh, Western imaginations without losing their Japanese audience, or 
if, you know, God forbid, they've just completely split their market and decide to release a different edition of the game for each side of the world. I don't know if mm -hmm. that's what they've done, but that seems like the next logical step. Yeah, well, it, it is coming alongside. There's there's a well, it's already out. The um, there's a Switch Monster Hunter um, game, which is a uh, an improved version of Double Cross, I believe. But I think there is a plan to bring another one out, which is more like a traditional Monster Hunter game, if you see what I mean. So um, yeah. th there'll be something for 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 both types of of player. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if anybody shifts over to Monster Hunter World. I think for sure. Yeah. Okay, um, so that's what we want. Um, we've also been sent a listener question by Thermal Satsuma, who has asked, uh, what games do you want for Christmas? So we'd like to expand that to just generally, what do you want for Christmas? Because we have just mentioned quite a few games. But but one thing I'd like to say, uh, firstly, is it's nowhere near Christmas, um, Thermal Satsuma. Um, but um, I'm, I'm the probably... The decorations in the storefront disagree. <sighs> They've generally been since August. August. Yeah, my, my, my rule of thumb is I, Halloween. Did, I denied the existence of Christmas until the 1st of December. Yeah, yes. I agree. I agree. It, I haven't given this any thought at all yet, really, because it all feels like that's something about next year, surely. It can't be Christmas yet. But but the thing is, I'm, I'm probably into game ban season now, um, where I can't buy any games in case I get them as a present um, at Christmas. So uh, one game which I probably would have bought between now and Christmas, but now I probably can't buy, is Fire Emblem Warriors which I'm still looking forward to. But as I said, it's been tempered by other things that I've been playing instead. But the thing is, most of the games I buy now are finding a digital-only release. Not, there's not even a physical version of most of them. So you look at things like Stardew Valley and Golf Story and uh, and stuff like that, and, and very likely Rocket League, which came out yesterday on the Switch. It's possible I'm going to buy that as well now. So I'm not likely to get them for Christmas if they're digital-only. <laughs> so what do I want for Christmas? Fire Emblem Warriors. Yeah, if you were to um push me on it um i'd quite like the um whatever the monster hunters called that you can play cross play on the wii u and the 3ds because we have both of those bits of hardware in this house so that sounds like a fun thing three. to do yeah. Monster Hunter three ultimate yeah is it three ultimate or try ultimate Ooh, no it's three ultimate in the uk elsewhere okay. it might be try ultimate i think it was monster hunter three try somewhere i can't remember but it's three ultimate so it's the same game it's just slightly different name <laughs> Right, but yeah, that's a good one. That's that's the last one I played properly, I think. Um, but it's good. That was the one with the swimming underwater, was it not? It was, yeah, yeah. You yeah, played I never it. You, it you played it on 3ds or on Wii U? On both. Oh. I've got both. You can actually transfer your save and from one to the other as well. Work, they both work as well as one another. One doesn't feel too much like a second-class experience. No, um, with the exception that the standard 3ds doesn't have a second analog stick. So looking around a bit is a bit of a pain. But the new um, one does, right? The new one does. Yeah. Um, the game came out before that existed, but the new one emulates the add-on that had a second stick on it that you could buy for games like Monster Hunter. Oh, that's clever. That so, was called the Circle LL Pad. That's right. Yeah. So um, yeah, you can use you can use it in that. So yeah, it's 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 good. I think it's got a slight um, frame rate increase as well on the three D on the new three DS, which is quite good. But then the, the the frame rate was not exactly fantastic on any of the platforms. I don't think. It's worth mentioning that the Circle LL pad and the new three DS also have extra shoulder buttons that aren't present on the original three DS. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so if you're going to push me on something for Christmas, I would probably say a Nintendo Switch because although I probably wouldn't buy one for myself, uh, if someone wants to buy it for me as a present, I would gladly receive it. Good. I'll, I will put the um, the, the podcast uh, PayPal address somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll have a whip round. 
I thought that's why he was asking. <laughs> oh, oh, he's going to buy them for us. Oh, oh that's very kind. Nice. Oh, in that case, I'd like a car. I would like a Lamborghini Gallardo Spider, please. Oh, good. Can uh, I have two yeah. of those? Oh, you only want two because he's got one. <laughs> well, no, he needs one that's left-hand drive and one that's right-hand drive. <laughs> oh, right. for the continent. Yes, we're not allowed on there anymore. Oh, that's right, Brexit. <laughs> yeah, Damn. Yeah. Um, Kendrick, what would you like for Christmas? Well, or the holiday, right? the holiday period. Interestingly, I have a different problem to yours, DK, in that uh, I've uh, I ask for games for Christmas and I never get them. Partly because uh, most of uh, my family doesn't consider games to be appropriate adult entertainment. Um, okay. Entertainment for grown men and women, I should say, not adult entertainment. That's a completely different subject. <laughs> but also because the ones who do uh, don't uh, have any idea about what the games market looks like or what I might actually like. I will ask for something and then I will get something else that uh, was, uh, you know, had, had a vaguely similar title for a platform that no longer exists, you know. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm uh, have you ever read the uh, the uh, webcomic VG Cats? I know it. Yeah, they have. It's like yes, cats know, with okay. fangs, isn't it? Which cats well, actually it, they're, do have they're, fangs? They're cats, <laughs> like, like real cats. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're they're anthropomorphic cats that insert themselves into video game worlds, and there's yeah. this beautiful uh, Christmas themed uh, uh, series of panels that they do where uh, the the couple. They're known as uh, Eris, and I forget what the boy cat is named. But uh, he takes a number of uh, demeaning second jobs, all for the purpose of uh, getting Eris the game that uh, she's been coveting in the game store, uh, but that she can't afford. And when she finally opens her Christmas present, it's not the game that she wanted, but the last one in the series from two years ago. But she's so grateful that he worked so hard to get it that, you know, she enjoys playing it anyway. So that's kind of my situation. I get games for Christmas, but they're not ever what I asked for. So I would what I want for Christmas is for somebody to understand what I'm asking for without having to be, you know, led to the shelf. You need yeah, to give them a URL to a specific <laughs> item on eBay. Yeah, I need to give them a universal product code number is what I need to give them. Yeah, that's right. Just just <sighs> buy it for yourself and charge them. That, that, that'll work. I'll do exactly that. And that's it. We had just one listener question. This Well, we may only have had one listener. So, um, <laughs> uh, but, but thanks for that anyway. Um, and that's the end. So uh, thanks very much for listening. If anybody has any questions or any comments or anything like that, if they would like to email us at podcast at ugvm.org.uk or you can follow us and send us a message on Twitter at ugvmpodcast. Uh, or, of course, you can leave a comment on the UGVM website, ugvm.org.uk forward slash podcast. Would anybody else like to plug anything that they do or involved in or where they are or that kind of thing? I would like to mention that over on GameSX.com, we not only talk about retro game modification, we also talk about arcade hardware hacking and building your own hardware. Um, a popular thread on the site is about custom wireless controllers for systems that did not previously have wireless controllers and building your own arcade uh, system. So if you heard that in today's podcast and you're interested in learning more about how to do it yourself, come to GameSX.com. Okay. I know where I'm going at the end of this. <laughs> uh, Toby, anything? Uh, you find me on most gaming services as Ask Toby. You can find me on Twitter as at SKTOBY. Okay. And Luffer? Uh, yeah, I'm at 
Luffrov on virtually all the various gaming platforms, L-U-F-F-E-R-O-V. Um, and I'm also on YouTube. You'll find me at Luffrov on that as well. Very good. Um, well, that's it from us then. So uh, join us next time. Hopefully there will be a next time. Um, but for now, goodbye. Good night and Merry Christmas. Good night. All right. Game over.